0: we will receive our scripture reading which comes from Proverbs chapter 14 verse 29. It will be one verse today. Let us hear the word of our God. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And we say good morning to the person left and right? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, For the next five weeks, we'll be going through a series to address the topic of the heart. And specifically, we'll be talking about five different arenas that we all experience one way or another. Anger, anxiety, envy, shame, and pride. And the purpose is not just to learn more about these emotions and responses from a distance. And this is like a a psychology uh, lecture, but rather... We want to dive into the scriptures to be restored and sanctified from these emotions that we personally exhibit and struggle in light of the gospel of Christ. The goal of this sermon series is not to better spot anger or pride in other people and to understand why they are the way they are. But it's to understand why I am the way I am. And more of all, to understand why God is the way he is. I pray and hope that through this sermon series that we do not come away with feeling compelled to become better, to become good people, but rather to know and trust that we have a good God. That is my hope and prayer. And today, we'll be talking about anger. But before we start, let me pray for us. Lord, I'm here to preach your word, but I go weak and desperately needy to this task. And I long that your people will hear a word that refreshes, melts, convicts, and comforts us by Your Word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto You. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, anger is something that all of us uh, experience, whether in giving anger or receiving anger. Let's play a little quick game. Which? Let's play. Would you rather? Would you rather be the giver of anger or would you rather be the receiver of anger? Let's tell this person left and right of you. What would you be? Yeah, what I'm hearing right now is giver, for sure. None of us want to be receivers of anger. (laughs) If you are, I'm very interested why. But, you know, uh, no matter how many times uh, when we talk about the uh, topic of anger, uh, in some senses, as teenagers, much of our daily living and our daily life is to avoid getting people angry, right? Our teachers, our parents, our friends, right? We have this term, ooh, you're in trouble, Right? Well, the would-you-rather game is just fun and games, and really it's not possible because truth is all, have, all of us have been and continue to be givers of anger and also receivers of anger, givers of anger that has hurt and cut others down, and also receivers of anger that have left us feeling very lonely, very low, and unloved. unloved. And I'm right there with you. I am not proud of the moments that I have lashed out my anger, particularly in driving. All the grandmas and grandpas, all the student drivers like some people here, <laughs> um, all the people who are texting while driving. Even some, one time I, uh, I uh, let my rage out on a KCPC pastor because he was going too slow. Well, we want to look at the emotion of anger, particularly through this text. And I want to walk us along by asking three questions to increase our need for Christ. And so this sermon, you need to really follow along with me. It's a a series of questions that really relate to one another. And so please follow along as I speak about this because we're going to talk about very sensitive things. And I think very things that I'm, I'm sure many of us are wrestling through and thinking of. And so I please follow along as I ask these three questions and for us to journey along in this passage. First, is anger a sin? Think about this for a moment. Is anger a sin? Think about that. Is anger a sin? Now that might this question may come at a surprise for us or even unnecessary. Obviously, it is. Obviously, anger is a sin. Especially for all the times people have been angry towards us, the way that it made us feel. How can anger not be sin? Or for all the regret we have with the way our anger has been expressed and the pain we've caused in others, how then can anger not be sin? Well, let's look at the text. Let's read it together. And it says this, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. And even from that first text alone, from that first half, it seems like, but the text is saying it is that there is an anger an anger that is permissible an anger that is warranted an anger that actually the bible affirms and really speaks positively that those who have are slow to anger have great understanding and this is where we kind of process scripture together and we're just like wait a minute that For me, I thought Christianity was about producing people who actually express no anger. If anything, what would make more sense of this passage is whoever has no anger actually has great understanding. That makes more sense to me. But the fact that someone can have anger... How can they have great understanding? I thought Christianity and the Bible was producing people with no anger. Okay, maybe this text is a fluke. Maybe, I don't, maybe there's a context to it that I'm not understanding. Or maybe, because this is from the Old Testament, and Old Testament is all about anger and wrath, and the New Testament is all about love and grace, there might be something different going on here. And yet, if we look at the New Testament, particularly in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it reads like this. Be angry and do not sin. Hmm. That's what Ephesians New Testament passage says. Be angry and do not sin. What is going on here? What is going on here? See, does Christianity teach? Is it its goal to produce people who are never angry? And the answer is no. No. Now, I want to be very clear at this point because, and I'm very careful Because not all anger is not sinful. Or in other words, there is an anger that is sinful, especially when you read the second half of the proverb, which we will talk about a little bit later, really a lot during the next part point of my uh, my sermon here. But there seems to be what, and what, what I first want to address is that there seems to be a type of anger that actually is commanded and warranted for us to have as people of God, which is described to be slow to anger. And this slow to anger does not just come from nowhere. It's not just this word that the Bible throws out and has no context to it. Rather, this slow to anger comes from God himself. And this is where we're going to talk about something very sensitive. One of the characteristics of God is that he is angry. And that, what I just shared there, it leaves us feeling very uncomfortable it leaves us feeling very unsettled in our heart. Is there something about that truth, that proposition, that God can be angry, that we have a difficult time processing and understanding, or even for some of us here, agreeing? You know, a a God who is angry and a God who is love is like oil and water. It seems like those things don't mix. I don't get it. I don't understand it. How can that how can a God of love have anger? Or how can a God of anger have love? These two things seem so far from each other that we either just ignore it and just focus on the love. Let's just kind of brush away the anger aspect. We don't have to focus on that too much. All I love is the fact that God is love, and I'm just going to focus on that. Or second, we have a genuine issue with it. And this is what's really causing us not to worship God. And it's, this is what's actually preventing us from placing our faith in God because we cannot worship a God who can actually be angry. But what I'm going to argue to all of you, and what I'm going to say is that all of you actually want God to be angry. And not just want God to be angry, you need God to be angry. And follow along with me. This is where you have to follow along. You really want God to be angry. And this is not something we should ignore or be ashamed of. What is the opposite of love? What is the opposite of love? At times, we think it's anger, and it's not. The opposite of love is hatred. And the ultimate form of hatred is indifference. The reason why God is angry is because he is love. God hates the very things that destroy distort and disintegrates that, the things that he loves most. I love my son. My son really loves his mom, always and forever. Even, to, even like yesterday, I said, can you say, appa, and always, amma, amma, amma. He loves his mom. I love my son. And anyone that tries to attack my son in any way, I'm going to get angry And it's not a choice. I'm not, someone attacks my son. I'm not going to start thinking, okay, someone's attacking my son. I need to be angry. No, it's going to be visceral because and it's going to be impulsive because my love for my son, I want to protect him. Anger really is a response of love. Those things that attack what we love most, what God loves most. Uh, If you're familiar with the story with Jesus and Lazarus, Lazarus was one of Jesus' very close friends. Lazarus dies. One of the things, when we see the passage, Jesus goes in front of the tomb as Lazarus is already dead. And as Jesus is in front of the tomb, the passage says this, that his spirit was deeply moved. And in English, we kind of miss it because it sounds like, oh, he was so sad and he was so sorrowful when when he saw his dead friend. But really, the original language really says this, that when Jesus was in front of that tomb, He was angry. He was utterly angry. He was indignant. At that moment, people saw his wrath. And what was he angry at? What was he mad at? Was he mad at Lazarus? No. He was mad at the thing that took away his friend. He was mad at sin. He was so angry at death. God... The reason why we struggle with this is because we need to see God holistically. God is not just only anger. There are things of God that we need to learn. God is perfect. God is good. And when we start to pair these qualities of God, then we have a better idea of what type and what the kind of anger that God has and the kind of anger this actually this world needs. Think about it for a moment. If God was all anger, he was all anger, but he wasn't good or perfect, what would, what would the world look like? It would be chaotic. It would be chaotic. It's kind of like that mom or that dad. You don't know the kind of emotion they're going to have when they come back home. And so you're so nervous whether they're going to be loving today or they're going to be very angry and upset at you today, Right? Imagine our world was like that. If every day we were just so nervous whether God is going to be a happy God or if he's going to be an angry God. And why that's important is because the thing that God is is that he doesn't just display good. He's not that He, he doesn't just display good. The things that he does is not just good. He is good himself. He is the definition of good. He is the absolute standard of goodness. And so anything that distorts or disintegrates or destroys his goodness and perfection, he will express his anger. And that anger is not baseless. He has reason to be angry. He has reason for things when it attacks his glory and attacks the things that he created as good. And he expresses his anger. God is angry at evil. God is angry at injustice. God is angry at sin. Think about this for a moment. Imagine you get to have a conversation with God and you ask him, God, what is your thought about the Holocaust? And God says this, whatever. I don't want to worship a God like that. A God who sees the evils of our world and says, I don't care. That is hatred. There's a term called doom scrolling. I don't know if if you guys know this term. Doom scrolling is, essentially, if you have a phone, we spend a lot of time looking at our phone, and as we're scrolling up, a lot of the things that we scroll, there's a lot of negative news, a lot of things that are wrong with this world. And as we're seeing a lot of these things, it's actually affecting our mental health, it's affecting our hearts, because we're seeing hopelessness. We're seeing all these things that this world is something wrong with it, and the thing is, we can't do anything about it. And it frustrates us, and it leaves us feeling Doom. Hopelessness. As we're reading all these articles, as we're seeing these stories, as we're seeing these videos, we feel utterly hopeless. But please know this, and here's the truth. And this is why God, we want God to be angry, because the very things that you see that break your heart also breaks God's. God is also very angry at what's happening with this world. He sees every evil and injustice he is utterly angry. And here's the truth. All the injustice and evil we see, according to Scripture, will face God. And it's a promise. He says it, and he says it in Romans. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Didn't Adolf Hitler, didn't he get it off too easy? For all the people he's killed, doesn't he need to deserve more than just simple death? Yes. Because God is angry, he will face the wrath and anger of God. He must. He must. And so is anger a sin? No. Not at all. Those things that seek to destroy, replace, or ignore God must face his anger. God has an anger that is good and righteous, rooted in his holiness, good and love, God displays an anger that is perfect and that is without sin, a righteous anger, an anger with cause, an anger that is right. That is what God displays. And if God was not angry, it simply would mean it's because he does not love. And it also means he is not good, and it also means he is not perfect. The second question well, then what is wrong with our anger? What is wrong with our anger? And think about this for a moment. Our anger works the very same way as God's. It's the very same exact thing. Because we are images of God. We are are made to reflect God. And so we also get angry to the things that we love most. The things that we love most, when it gets destroyed, distorted, disintegrated, or even threatens, we will get angry. But here's the question. This is what makes our anger so different from God's. What is it that we love? What is it that we love? Uh, Do this thought exercise with me. Which is worse, gossip or murder? Obviously murder. Obviously. And yet, think about it for a moment. Why is it that we show a lot more anger and emotion and actually a lot more care and concern when people gossip about us at school versus when there is murder that we read on the news? Why is it that that gossip produces a lot more anger than when we get to read some very uh, huge atrocities on the news? You ever ever notice that? When you're reading the news and you're seeing all these uh, horrible things and everyone on on social media is like, this is so horrible and this is so horrible, but if you're really honest, your heart is cold to those things, isn't it? It's cold. You don't really feel anything. I mean, you have to act like it because it's evil, but in the inside, it's not. Something's not really happening here. And yet, when something happens to you, especially when something threatens what you love most, there will be a lot of anger and there will be hell to pay, right? Because what is it that we love? We love ourselves. We don't love God. We do not have the heart of God. We do not love what God loves, but we love what we love. And this is what sin is. Uh, If you can show the New City Catechism, what is sin? What is sin? What is sin? And we've been learning through this in our baptism and confirmation class. And here is what sin is. If you can put it up on the screen. What is sin? Sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created, rebelling against him by living without reference to him, not being or doing what he requires in his law, resulting in our death and disintegration of all creation. Here's what this means. God's anger is embedded in his holiness, his goodness, his perfection. His anger actually benefits the world. He is angry at the things that are destroying his creation. But how about our anger? Our anger is self-centered. It's self-serving. And really, it doesn't really benefit this world, although we can try to lie that it does. What our anger really is aiming for is our benefit. The things that we love ultimately really just more benefits us. God's anger is rooted in his glory and his will that results in human flourishing, cultural flourishing. Our anger is rooted in our glory. It's rooted in our will, rooted in our reputations, rooted in the ways that people look at us. Our anger is rooted and seeks for our own flourishing, not others flourishing, but mine. And I want to flourish even at the cost of others. Even if I need to put people down, I will do so because I want to go up. That is what's wrong with us. That is what's wrong with the human heart. The reason our anger is so different from God's is because it is not God, let your will be done, but let my will be done. I want my purpose, my agenda to be passed. Try to take control of our universe. And the universe, however, was not created for us. It was created for God. And this order has been thrown away. And that is what sin is. Sin is taking the place of God, distorting the order that God had made. God is the center of worship. But what sin is, is saying, God, you are no longer the center of my world. I am. You are actually getting in the way of my life. That's why I need to have you get off the throne and I will get on that throne. Think about it for a moment. Try to think of the one time you got really angry and honestly think about it. What I just shared here, use all these principles that I've used, that I just shared. Why did you get so angry? What were you protecting? What were you, what did you feel threatened by? What is it that you hold most dear? I'm going to be very vulnerable. Growing up, uh, one of the things that I've learned about myself is that I was an approval junkie. Oh my, I, I need to have people like me. I need to have people like me. I'm a classic people pleaser. And one of the things that social media has done for me is that now it has given me an actual tool to measure how much people like me and also how much people really care about me. And so when when I first got introduced to social media, man, it was a drug. Because no when the number is high, when that notification number is high, I would feel so important. I would feel so cared. Now, I'm getting very vulnerable right now. You know, uh, um, when it's my birthday, like when, when, whenever it's my birthday, that's when I would get the most, um, most numbers. And I would look forward to that day. And this is, how, this, is how, this is how weak I am, that I would actually not open my phone the entire day because I want the highest number ever. At one time on my birthday, my sister actually opened up my phone. And she opened up and she clicked on the number and I couldn't see it. I yelled at her. I expressed an anger to her. I regret it. Was my anger righteous? What did I love most? I loved approval of people. I loved people liking me. It made me feel I wasn't alone. It made me feel noticed and known. Was my anger righteous? Did my anger come from this just and good cause? Would it actually benefit this world? Not at all. Not at all. Take a moment to think about the last time you were angry, the last time you lashed out your anger to your parents. Why? What were they attacking? Think about it. And this is what this passage is saying. He who has a hasty temper exalts folly. And another word for folly is foolishness. It is foolishness that I base my significance, that I base my identity on notification numbers. Isn't that idiotic? Isn't that so stupid? As I say it out loud, it sure certainly is. But that's what we are all doing. It's not just, all, oh, I don't do that. I No, but you do something else. That's foolish. And that's what idolatry is. If you can show the next slide, what is idolatry? Idolatry is trusting in created things rather than the Creator for our hope and happiness, significance and security. You might not have related to my story, but I know this that all of us here in this room, we place our hope and our happiness, significance and security on something else. We do. The reason our anger is not like God's is because God is really not God in our lives. Let's be honest. You know, you can come here, and he may be conceptually in your minds. Yeah, you know, you, you come to church, and I ask you a question, is God your God? And you say, yes, God is my God. But if you actually live and look at your living, and you look at your life, if you're really honest, God is not God. If you're really honest, you can definitely say, and I, I, you can really say and confess, we really do not trust him to be our source of happiness and hope, significance and security. And whenever those things we place our hope and happiness, significance and security are attacked, we'll get angry. And not just an anger, but a rage that is hasty, an anger that is baseless. And it's not just this expressive anger, this explosive anger. It it can also come in different forms. Passive aggressiveness, as we read in the confessions, making jokes, being sarcastic, being cynical, being very quiet, giving people the silent treatment. Anger can very very much look like in different ways. Just because it's not explosive does not mean that it's not anger. Anger hides itself. For those of us who have anger problems, and I hope we can realize it's all of us, it's not that we have anger problems, it's that we have a heart problem. We have a love problem. We have a worship problem. We're loving and worshiping the wrong thing. We're not worshiping God. We have placed our hope and our trust in something that does not deserve trust, that wasn't created give us any source of identity and hope and happiness. This is what's wrong with our anger. When was the last time you were angry and God would actually say, I agree with you. I agree with your anger. How many of us in our anger was your anger ever aligned with the heart and will of God where God would actually back you up and support you in your anger? You have every right to be angry, child. and I'm going to support you. Or was your anger more self-centered, self-serving, and self-protecting, a hasty temper that exalted foolishness? We were created to be images of God, and yet our anger certainly does not reflect God at all. It says in James 1.20, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And that captures it so well that my anger does not reflect God. And this presents to us the issue, if you've been following along, you remember the first point and the second point, this is the reason why God's wrath and anger is towards you and me. We fail to reflect God perfectly. We fail to let God be God in our lives. We have rejected God and have made other things, good things, God. And instead of building and flourishing this world with a perfect anger, And righteousness like God's, we end up destroying and distorting and disintegrating what God created as good and holy in our distorted, broken anger. Who is destroying this world? We are. We are. And this is why you and I need to face the wrath and anger of God. As a good and perfect God, He has every reason to exact His anger on you and me. And this leads us to our third point. How can we be slow to anger then? What is it? How can we have this anger like God's that we would have great understanding? There is no technique. There's no magic word that you can say that all of a sudden your heart will start to change or transform. There's no pill to take. But it is to understand and process this truth. And I hope you really carefully listen to what I'm about to say right now. It's to understand and process this this truth. There is a God who is the creator of this universe. He is perfect and good, and everything he created reflected his good and perfect character. He loved his creation, and particularly he loved humans most because we reflected most of God. However, although we were created to reflect God and love what God loves and hate what God hates, we turned away from him. We look for a God that serves our purposes, our needs, our wants, and our desires. We take God's absolute principles, what God says is good and what God says is bad, and we flip it around, and we call what's good bad and what we call bad good. That's what's happening in our society in our time today. God's created order, we're saying, no, that doesn't serve my purposes. I'm going to take it into my own hands. I'm going to make my own definitions. I'm going to make my own boundaries because I am God. And this is why our anger is so different from God's anger. Our anger destroys, disintegrates, and distorts God's holy order and creation, rebelling against his will and ultimately not doing what we were created to be. So you and I deserve the righteous anger of God. We're trying to to dethrone God. He must express his anger because if he does not, he fails to be good and perfect. And what I described to you just now is the summary of the Old Testament. And it's the summary of our lives, yours and mine. It is the summary of our life. Why doesn't God just exact his anger then swiftly? Why doesn't he just throw his anger down swiftly, quickly, immediately? Because he has every right to. And here's the answer. And I I really hope you could hear this. If you can uh, show the slide for the next uh, passage. In Exodus 34. Starting in verse 6, this is the first time God reveals Himself to describe what kind of God He is. And look at this. Read this along with me. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And there's that phrase, slow to anger. And this is actually the first time that it comes out in Scripture, slow to anger. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean that his anger is in slow motion. What it means is that the God in the Bible is patient. Even though he should exact his anger right now, God is patient. And God is going to delay his anger. Why would he delay his anger? Why is God delaying his anger? Why is he slow to anger? And when you get to read the Bible, you get to see that God's slow anger in action actually When you read chapter by chapter in the Old Testament, New Testament, you get to see every chapter why people deserve God's anger. And when you look at your life, every day in my life, every day day of our lives, we get to see why we deserve God's anger. And yet, he withholds anger. Why is he doing that? Why is he delaying his anger? Because God promised that he would offer a solution to all of humanity. What is that solution? Jesus Christ is the only person who has ever lived, ever, ever lived, that does not deserve God's anger. He's lived a perfect life. You know, Jesus Christ, when he was on the earth and as he was doing his ministry and doing his life, every moment that Jesus was angry, the Father supported him. The Father agreed with him. The Father said, yes, you have my back. I have yours. Jesus displayed God perfectly. He was the perfect man. Jesus had the heart of the Father, and the Father was so pleased with Jesus here's the news, that Jesus has come to take your place, take the wrath of God for you and me so that you would not have to. That is the cross. That Jesus says, I will take the anger of God for you in your place. Even though I don't deserve it, I will take your place and I will absorb all of the anger of God. Why would he do that? Because he loves us. He loves us. He loves his creation." He loves his people. The anger of God poured into Jesus completely on our behalf, yours and mine. All those who hear this very truth, this very truth that I'm speaking about right now, this truth is not just a statement, it's not just some news, but it is good news. Something's working in your hearts where all of a sudden passages like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now that passage actually sounds a lot more different. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm understanding it now. I get to see what he means. I get to see what this passage is actually saying. It's not just something that I hear all the time, but I'm, it's like as if I'm reading this for the very first time. You know, every moment in Scripture, God's anger was slow and delayed. Actually, over centuries, his anger was delayed and slow. So people can turn to this very promise God's anger is slow for all of us today. Why? He wants you to turn to Jesus too. Every day is an opportunity for you to turn to Jesus. Realize, yes, God, you deserve every right to be angry with me. How can I escape the wrath of God? By the solution you've given to me, Christ. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Not just in your heads, but do you really genuinely believe that with your hearts? Then, how can we be slow to anger? For those who understand and trust and believe that the God of the universe was slow in his anger to us by pouring out his perfect anger into his son, Jesus Christ, so that we would be restored again and to have the Father's heart and will. When Jesus becomes real in your life, You strive in every way to resemble God, not because you're trying to get God's attention, but because God's captured your attention. That he would actually withhold his anger and pour out his anger into his son. When that has captured your heart, it has captured your attention, and you're saying, I need to focus on this. I need to hear this story more and more. And you're getting closer and closer to what it means to be slow to anger. You cannot produce righteousness until it has been given to you. Or in other words, what I'm saying, you cannot produce or enact this slow to anger until you realize that the anger of God has been freed because of Christ. You cannot produce or enact this slow to anger, a perfect righteous anger that it resembles God's until you have been freed by the anger of God yourself, until you realize God is no longer angry towards you forever because of his son, Jesus Christ. Will you then be able to be slow to anger? This is only things that children of God can do. And when we are restored, we will then have an anger that is like God's that will result in real-life transformation and flourishing for this world. This is what will ultimately change this world. The, The biggest problem in this world is not what you're seeing on your phones, not with the videos and the articles that you're reading. The biggest problem in this world is you. It's me. And the best solution is being offered right now, Christ. And the more we're restored in him, we will have an anger that is proper, that is like God's, and we will redeem and restore this world as God created intended and he seeks to do. Lord, we thank you. Help us, Lord, that we would have this understanding and truth. Lord, our anger is still broken. Our anger does not resemble God at all. It does not resemble you at all. And you have a perfect righteous anger that we need that will actually redeem and it's the hope of the world. Your anger led Jesus to the cross. And God, we pray, Lord, may this truth settle in our hearts. May we realize that yes, we deserve the anger and wrath of God, but there is a solution. You Give us hope. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that he has come to take our place consume the entire wrath of God so that we would be your child that you actually have no more anger to your children anymore nor will your anger be produced again but all you have left remaining is your love as a father and so Lord we pray for the lost souls here the people of God may we be refreshed to hear this news It is because of Jesus Christ and what he has done that I can live, that I can be free, that I am called to change this world through the word of God by bringing others to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. God, we pray that may these truths continue to wrestle in our hearts and in our minds, that we wouldn't just stop as we leave these doors, but we would constantly wrestle and process these things and that we wouldn't do this alone, but rather there are we have a community of people here willing and wanting to hear and to have conversations that we would, God, stop talking about such human things, that we wouldn't so focus on these human things that we, that make, that we make so important, but rather we would make the things of God of utter priority and greatness. May you change our ministry, Lord. Lord, may we not put COVID to waste, this quarantine to waste, but rather, Lord, may we grow and yearn and long and, God, may we need you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.